0: Hello everyone, this is Graziella from Methods in Ecology and Evolution, and today we are with Jane Ellis, Mike Carney and Stephen Phillips, um, who are spread across the world, (laughs) talking to us about their work that is going to be published in Methods in Ecology and Evolution, and its title is The Art of Modelling Rage-Shifting Species. Hello.
1: Hi, Graziella. Good morning, Graziella. (laughs)
0: Hi, Stephen. So my first question to um, all of you is, what is the main idea behind your work?
2: Well, perhaps I could go first. So this is Jane. Um, I guess the general topic that we've been working on is predicting species distributions, um, and specifically the distributions of species whose ranges are shifting. Um, So that's commonly like invasive species or species responding to climate change. And these are sort of increasingly popular applications, but they're rather difficult ones to predict reliably. And we're particularly looking at what people call species distribution models or or ecological niche models. So they're models like Maxent or regression models or GARP and so on. And they're based on correlations and patterns in the data. Now there's a problem actually with using them for predicting um, distributions in change situations. and it's a problem that sort of is fairly widely acknowledged. So we've come up with a few ideas. Our central idea that we want to un- is that we want to understand our models well and sort of impose as much biological intuition and knowledge as possible. So um, we've worked on ways of developing methods for treating the data sensibly, for using physiological understanding and for probing the results. So that's what we present in this paper.
0: You have an interesting case study in the paper. Why did you decide on cane toads?
3: Um, yeah, I can answer that one. So it's Michael Carney here. Um, so the cane toad was introduced to Australia in about 1935 and it's been spreading across Australia ever since. And we have a, a very good record of how it spread across Australia. And there's been a lot of attempts at modelling the species in the past using a, a variety of different methods. So it's quite an interesting species Um from a species distribution modelling point of view. And we were interested in in seeing whether we could do any better. And and also, we had actually um, a prediction that's been made with a very different approach to most other approaches, which involves um, modelling the species range based on uh, known processes processes about uh, what limits the species distribution, what we call mechanistic models. And so um, the way this is done is to um, take Uh, characteristics of the animal like for instance its ability to move at different temperatures or the requirements for breeding um, the requirements of of water available at different times of the year and water of a suitable temperature for the tadpoles to develop and put all this information together and basically ask where could we say from these physiological points of view um, could cane toads not live and uh, so this is quite a an intensive approach but we Um, We've successfully done this already with the cane toads, and then we're interested in to what extent could we bring this kind of mechanistic model together with um, the more traditional approaches to modeling species distributions based on correlations of the distribution records with the climate and other spatial information.
0: And How do you think this work advances methodology in ecology and evolution?
2: Well, perhaps I could start that off. I guess I guess we sort of think that um, we've got several strands of advances. Um, first, uh, as Mike mentions, we've sort of been looking at ways to combine information from the physiological models with um, data in the correlation-based ones. And we think there's plenty of scope to keep building on those ideas and we find them quite useful. So um, that's one strand. And then secondly... We've looked at sort of um, some of the details of how you do the modelling. So we've looked at methods for selecting background samples or pseudoabs for invasive species, and that's always rather a difficult issue. And we think we've made some progress there. Um, we've looked at the complexity of some of the models. Some of these models um, can be quite complex. Methods like Maxent and boosted trees can fit. Nicely complex surfaces, which is good for predicting current distributions, but we're wondering whether they should be controlled um, to make smoother models when you're dealing with the sort of typical sorts of data that you've got for invasive species. Um, And that gave some quite interesting results and we're aiming to do more work in that area. And then finally, something that we think quite a lot of people will be interested in is that we've looked, we've worked on tools for understanding models and data. So so one of our sort of central thrusts is we want to understand why models are predicting as they do in certain places, and that's actually quite hard to find out. So um, we want to know whether, we also want to know whether we're predicting into environments that aren't well represented in the data that we've used to fit the models with. So that's where Stephen came in and his program, some new tools in Maxent. And um, uh, I'm thinking they're going to be pretty useful to to lots of people who do this sort of work.
0: Well, Stephen, Stephen, maybe our listeners are um, not familiar with Maxent. um, Would you be able to explain a bit about this?
1: Uh, Yes, sure. Uh, Maxent is a... uh Tool for modeling species distributions that's based on a machine learning approach. I uh, developed it with my colleagues Rob Shapiri and Mira Dudik. It's available free on the web and it's it's in quite widespread use. It's had more than 10,000 um, downloads so far. And I, I can say a little more about the uh, uh, the tools that we've um, developed for this paper. Um, one of the more common uses of both Maxent and um, other tools for modeling species distributions is predicting how um, climate change will impact um, species distributions and it's very hard to do this well so what we've focused on is adding tools that help visualize um, and understand environmental data and model outputs so that um, ecologists who are using these methods don't have to treat them as a black box but can uh, have a better understanding of uh, what results they're getting and why they're getting those results. So the um, the tools that we made are one uh, that's called uh, MESS, multi-environmental, sorry, multivariate environmental similarity surfaces, which gives a very simple depiction of areas that have climate conditions outside of those that are present in the training data. And uh, so those are the areas where predictions should be made with much greater caution because there's um, less um, current data available to, uh, to make the predictions in those areas. Uh, A second tool is one that we call Explain, which uh, gives you a a map of of a prediction that you can click on and at each place that you click you you get a breakdown of of how the prediction depends on the environmental variables that are used in the model. And so it allows you to explore explore why the prediction is as it is at any point on the map. And then the uh, the third tool that we added is um, a study of limiting factors, which gives you um, a map which shows which variable is the most um, limiting on the uh, species distribution, and so it gives you an overall picture of the geographic pattern um, of uh, the uh, most important constraints on the species distribution.
0: It all sounds very interesting, Um, and I guess this is for all three of you. Um, How could this method be applied and by whom?
3: yeah I can start that off so um, the approach is, is useful for anybody who is facing the problem of trying to predict where a species will occur in the future when they are dealing with a non equilibrium distribution and that's it's an increasingly common issue and it's a very important issue of course because it relates to invasive species and and to changes in climate um, so hopefully the tools that and, and the ideas that are in this paper for how to think about treating the Distribution records in the first place. Um, I think there's some there's some nice approaches that, that people perhaps haven't thought about too much about actually how you weight um, the data, how you weight um, absence records and presence records, um, and also the tools that Stephen Stephen described for just playing with your data and playing with your models and just seeing how um, the predictions vary when you when you approach it in different ways and, and what where the areas are that you think you're most uncertain about and where the areas are that you think you're you're quite certain about, I think that's something that's been been missing in a lot of um, predictions of species ranges. So hopefully this will help us make more informative predictions of this rather tricky issue.
0: Thank you, Mike.
2: Yeah, and I guess I can imagine... uh, um, People, are, all sorts of people, are using these models. So sometimes it's students um, in their grad work. Sometimes it's um, managers really wanting to get an idea of uh, where the weed species they're interested in might uh, might potentially be distributed in the country, um, and it can be researchers. So I can see, you know, this problem of the potential or the sort of predicting distributions of invasive species or species under climate change is, is, is um, one that a lot of people are interested in and certainly one that a lot of people are working on and I guess we sort of we feel like we're one part of the puzzle I guess and, and um, some of the things we're presenting in this paper I think would really be applicable to any of those audiences and because MacSense free it makes um, the tools very accessible.
0: Thank you, Jane. So thank you to you all then for being with me today and for enlightening me about speci- species distributions. Uh, thank you, Jane. Thank you, Mike and Stephen. Thank you. Thank
2: Thanks. you. Thank you.